You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 177 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Hello. Hello, gents. How are we all this Monday evening? Not too bad. It's been a, it's, it's, it feels like it's been a very long week already and we're only a day in. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good start, is it? But, but we've got a joyous night of podcasting ahead of us. That'll make it all better. We have. And we've got plenty to talk about, including a shiny new battle tome, which I believe, uh, Mr. Woods, you have been reviewing. Yes, I have. Yeah, I've done a... A written review on the website as well as a video and obviously we're going to be talking about it later today but that is the fire slayer battle time yes uh, matt has been equally busy with the idnf deepkin of which you can read the review and watch the video right now however i think you're going to be talking to us about that um battle tome next week matt that is right so next week we'll be going under the sea and uh, <laughs> yeah check out all the exciting stuff there and there's some really cool stuff with the uh, the new idnf book cool so I'll, I'll pop um, the links in the podcast notes for both reviews so you can check them out. Um, but if you are uh, particularly keen on the old Deepkin, then check out next week's episode. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because we've got a whole podcast episode to do. Um, so as well as the Fire Slayers, we're also going to be talking about uh, our trip to Warhammer World this weekend for the anniversary. So that should be a lot of fun. We'll talk about what we got up to there, what, what was going down. Uh, maybe we came home with some goodies. We'll, you know, we'll have to talk about that later on. And finally, we also have this week's top three, which will uh, be focusing on video games. So we wanted to know each other's top three games workshop video games. We'll also be uh, opening the floor to the community later on in the show, where we'll be reading out your top three picks as well. Before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. Uh, now, I completely forgot what order I've been doing this last couple of weeks. So I'm just going to pick somebody at random. Jay, what have you been up to? <laughs> you pick me. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I have been uh, painting Eldar uh, this week. Not unfortunately. I'm very happy to be painting Eldar this week. I just can't talk very much about what I've been painting this week. Um, that said, I on the trip to Warhammer World, I did pick up um, some models. Um, and one of the models I picked up was Illic Nightspear, who Ooh. is a fancast model um, to go with my late Eldar. Um, and I'm really looking forward to painting this character. He's um, really, really good in the new um, Codex, I think. Um, that Eldar have got quite a lot of options for assassinating characters, and he's one of the better ones. So really looking oh. forward to getting him in the uh, getting him painted up and added to the force. Excellent. Yeah, looking forward to, to seeing that and your, your secret Eldar project as well. Uh, Matt, what have you been up to in the hobby this week? Well, I did a tiny, a teeny weeny bit of work on the this Barb Archers, but I keep getting distracted by other stuff. So I've been painting up some scenery, some set to Mechanica stuff for your gaming table, Dave. Woo-hoo! It was a bit, um, <laughs> you've got a lot of scenery, but not much painted, which which hurt me. That, Matt, 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 I'm gonna have to stop you there. Did you say not much painted? I've got, I've got one munitions armored container painted. That's... Well, I was trying to, I was trying to let you down gently, Dave. Not like <laughs> this is a travesty. You've had it on your hobby resolutions for the last two years. Uh, so no, yeah. So I, I thought we'll get some scenery painted, um, sector mechanical stuff, spray it up, dry brush it, give it a sponge, 
dead quick job. So I've been working on that. I've also been painting some word bearers with all the excitement about the 30K reveal, hopefully, that we get at some point in the near future. Uh, I've been painting some word bearers. In particularly, I have been painting Argle Tau, the big, Ooh. horrific, mutated demon in the body of a space marine. It's a really cool model. He's got like, big wings and a big claw, and he's ripping an ultramarine in two which is the best way to deal with an ultra as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, yeah, so I've been using my um, 40K word bearer scheme on it, which is dead easy. Spray it silver. You go over the entire model with a controlled application of basilicarum grey. That will darken down the metal without leaving any tide lines. And then go over that with flesh terrors red. Again, like a felt tip pen. Uh, don't don't like flood it like a wash or anything and essentially tint the metal a different color and that leaves you a nice dark metallic red which works really really well for the word bearers Mm. yeah it does looks really really nice your uh, word bearer scheme looking forward to your uh, horus heresy army as well cool andy what have you been up to uh so i've been building some fire slayers um obviously with preparation for this uh, battle tome it's um shall we say, reignited my love for Fire Slayers. <laughs> I think that's like the fifth time I've made that joke, uh, but only once on air, so it doesn't count. Um, so, yeah, so I've been building some Fire Slayers from the Fury of the Deep box. Um, I'm going to try and get a 1,000 points painted in March. I'm going to try. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down and sort of um, did a hobby calendar of what I want to paint for events and sort of like the personal backlog and stuff um and march was one of those where i had a bit of freedom to do what i want wanted with mm. um so i'm going to try and get some fire slayers built and painted um i've got some hearthguard berserkers and some bold kite berserkers on my painting desk at the minute um i then finished off um painting up some pink horrors um because one of my hobby resolutions is to add 500 points to three existing projects and one of my existing projects is some uh, disciples of zinch um so by painting up some pink horrors i think pink horrors are like 250 points for 10 um so that's a good way of adding 500 points to one of my armies um by painting them up so i painted um another five of them up um i'm going to do another five in a couple of weeks or you know whenever motivation sort of hits me um, and then I started building two characters from the Cursed City box, whose name completely forget me. So I'm just going to s- describe what they look like. It's the Carriage and Overlord guy with the Skyhook Pike. And then it's the um, wizard who's got like a mask and a massive beard that comes down. I cannot Gandalf. remember the name. Yeah, Gandalf. Uh, we'll call him Gandalf. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so I've been building them and they are currently on my paint desk. So they're the next thing to get painted. I'm going to try and get them painted by the end of this week. So You're feeling the Cursed City again, are you, Andy? Yeah, well, now that we've announced that it's it's coming back, I cannot get it painted. And yeah. then, like Blackstone Fortress, when that came out, when they brought out, like, expansions or whatever... I want to be able to just go in and be like, okay, there's a box of three models or whatever it is. I can just buy and build and paint those three models. I haven't got to paint all the contents of Cursed City and then paint loads of other stuff as well. Yeah, so I kind of want to get it done. 
it's it's a nice time to get your set painted up because uh yeah i don't think it's gonna be too far in the future that we start seeing these expansions and going on how cool the models were in the core coast that you box you know there's gonna be some really cool stuff in the expansions yeah yeah Absolutely. definitely yeah excellent You've been really busy, Andy. I've also been doing a spot of painting this week, uh, mainly on my um, to-be warlord for my Tau Crusade army, so my Enforcer battle suit. And I'll tell you what, guys, I forgot how much I love painting battle suits. Uh, <laughs> they are so much fun. All the panel, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. So um, all these base colours are down. Um, I did the weapons uh, the other night. Um, I need to start going in with um, the, the the sort of fine... Um, shading in the recesses and then i'm going to try my hand at doing a bit of uh highlighting and then he just needs to be based then and he'll be uh battlefield ready um so really enjoy painting him it really makes me want uh, an entire battlesuit army but i will um get my fire warriors based as well um because you always need a few troops to do actions and stuff so um that's been a lot of fun um and i've also dug out my curse city um characters and put a few extra touches on uh, is it J- Jansen? Was that the witch hunter? Was that his name? The witch hunter. Let's go with the witch hunter. Yeah, he was the witch hunter anyway. Um, I've, and I, I just need to base him, and he's going to be finished. So, um, yeah, like, like Andy, I'm looking forward to maybe us um, getting together and having a game of Curse City uh, with all this, you know, re-emerging of the hype um, with the Maid to Order. So, yeah, uh, that's 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 me really. Um, and really, just yeah, basking in in the glory that was Warhammer World. Um, over the weekend but obviously we'll talk about that a little bit later on uh coming before that we have all of this week's news and pre-orders so we're going to take a slight pause and we'll be right back with that what do we have in this week's news matt well the biggie this week is kill team knackmond it's finally up for pre-order me and jay and andy i think have been very very excited for this box it is the latest expansion for kill team so this isn't a a a standalone uh starter set uh like octarius was this is i guess designed as an expansion to people who've already got that or the or the book and basically gives you two kill teams a load of scenery and and a new uh, kill zone book to play over so in here we have got the void scarred corsairs and the chaos space marine legionnaires so yeah the the the, the corsairs are a brand new plastic kit for warhammer 40,000 that look amazing and the uh, the legionnaires i believe are an upgrade sprue for the existing chaos space marine set with some cool funky options like a rotary cannon and a psyker fella so that- yeah I was really surprised. I mean, like the the um, Kev Space Marine one, it's just an upgrade kit, but you can make some really cool, unique-looking models from that set. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is the pattern they've had on every one of these um, these these boxes that they put out so far. Because technically, the Death Corps of Krieg had an upgrade sprue, and then the the Orc was the brand new kit. And then obviously in Chalnath, we have the Sisters of the brand new kit, and then the Pathfinders had an upgrade sprue. So that's a really nice way of, of basically every quarter giving us a brand new kill team and upgrading an old one, which kind of breathes some life into some of those old kits that maybe need a little bit of love as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get my hands on this. I mm. I kind of fancy doing the uh, Corsair Warband myself just to paint up and using games mm. of kill team because I think they look really ace. Yeah, they do. They're, they're some of the best looking Eldar models, I think. 
So this clocks in at £115. Obviously, we are now in the new world where all the price adjustments have happened. Again, I don't think that's bad. If With caveats, if you're looking to use everything in the set, I think the scenery alone would probably cost you about £100 to get. You get the board in there, you get the, the expansion supplement, and then I'm guessing about 35 quid each for each of the kill teams. So that's not a bad deal. Obviously, if you're only using one of them, then uh, you might want to find a friend to split with or, or sell the contents. But yeah, it looks it looks pretty good to me. Now, alongside this, they're also releasing the Pathfinders and the Novitiates from the Chalnath box as separate kits. The uh, the Pathfinders are £32.50 and the Novitiates are £35. Again, just for Tau, I mean, you did the recent review of the book, Dave. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing some of this Chalnath specific stuff is now an option for the, yeah. uh, the Pathfinders. Yeah, like the uh, the drone remotes and the um, underslung EMP um, cannon on a, on a pulse carbine. Yeah, they're all they're all options now in the codex, and really good options at that. Of course. So at least yeah, at least you can pick that up without having to get the big box. And I guess this is the pattern now. So in three months' time, the the Chaos Space Marines and the Eldor will be available separately, and then we will get another brand new box with a load of stuff in. So I quite like that. Uh, you can also get a kill zone Chalnath for £67.50, which contains all of the scenery out of the, the, the Chalnath box, which, if I remember rightly, there was a lot of scenery in that box, Dave. There was, yeah. There a couple of, a couple of freestanding buildings. Um, great for kill zone and, and the game to 40k, so I think that was a good price for that. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then there's dice at £24. We've said in the last few shows, I think... Unfortunately for me, I think the dice have gone past the um, impulse buy point, unfortunately. But they yeah. are some pretty nice dice. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, some really, really exciting stuff come in. Um, I'm, I'm liking this kind of quarterly release. And now, I mean, by the time the next box comes in, we'll be a year into Kill Team. We'll have a nice variety of like Kill Teams designed just for the game, which... Mm-hmm. When we originally reviewed it way back when, Jay, I think that was what was lacking, wasn't it? There was just the, yeah, the Death the Corps Krieg and the Orcs, and then all the Compendium didn't just they didn't feel the same as these kind of bespoke kill teams, did they? No. So yeah, so excited to see all this. We also have a little bit of news about the next Codex for Warhammer Forty Thousand. Codex Tyranids has had its uh, cover revealed on Warcom today, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I really like it. I, to be honest, I don't think there's been a bad ninth edition Codex cover. I mean, I've said that actually. There might have been one or two, but for the most part, they're they're, they're glorious. And this is of a Hive Tyrant, um, probably bellowing out some synapse orders to his little gribbly friends. Yeah, really do you nice. Bellow, do you bellow synapse orders, or just send them trans- psychically through the warp? I don't know. I don't know. You can yeah, bellow yeah. at the same time. The bioform expert. But yeah, this is cool. Now they've not given any details and if there's any new models in here. I mean we've seen a little bit of a tease on the on the New Year video of yeah, there's probably at least one new Tyranid kit come in. Um yeah, I'm excited. It's a bit of a shame that pretty much confirmation that we're not getting new Hormigants and Termigants though, because they also today announced the brand new um combat patrol for the Tyranids. And it seems a pretty good pretty good deal. You get a hive tyrant you get three boxes of Termagants and a box of Tyranid Warriors. I think off the top of my head, you save about £44. So basically you get two boxes of Termagants free. Now, if you're going for a gaunt, heavy army, then yeah, brilliant. That's a really cool buy. Personally, I think I'd go for more Monster Mash. So for the same price, I think I'd probably pick up two boxes of Tyranid Warriors 
and the uh, the, the Hive Tower, it'd be the same price. But that said, I don't know if they still have in the current book, but the the, the Tervagons used to kind of like summon Termagants. Mm. So if that's still a mechanic and you want to go big, ribbly monsters, you might want a few boxes of Termagants to uh, come bursting out of the egg sack of that big, horrific beastie. See, it's a good yeah. box for me because I've got a lot of the big monsters, but I, I don't have many of the Griblies, so um, it, it's pretty good for me. But I think from a new player perspective, um, I think it's a great box. You've got a HQ choice, and you've got potentially, um, depending on how you build your units of termagants, you've, you've got enough to fill out your troops in a battle, um, a battalion as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think I think it's a great box. Um, I, I noticed before we started recording, there was a few grumblings on the old Tyranid group, but these aren't really aimed for. Um, people who already have armies it's just helpful obviously if you like me you, you actually you know could do with those two units to fill your army and um, plus something else i really liked about this box is whereas some of the combat patrols you can't really duplicate or it doesn't make sense to duplicate this one actually duplicates really well um especially if you want a horde tyranid army because yeah. so, so it's a lot but you know in some builds you could take loads of these guys uh, uh, and obviously there's loads of options for the warriors and you've got different various versions of the hive tyrant and even the swarm lord you can build as well yeah i, I, w- I would say only specifically if you want a horde tyranid army otherwise like oh I yeah say, you're probably better off buying the the, the 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 you know big ribblies that you want Abs- certainly absolutely one of these boxes i think could fit into any tyranid list really nicely though like you say yeah, yeah. hive tyrants you've got what standing flying and the swarm lord Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. So this will be £90, which is the new price for Combat Patrol boxes. Um, I, I still think they, these are a good price at that. Like I say, you save about £40. So, uh, yeah, definitely one worth having a look at. We don't know when that's out, presumably alongside the Codex. So something to look forward to in the future there. And finally in the news, um, and by the time you listen to this, you've probably already missed the boat, but we'll go through it anyway. <laughs> we have got Here's some what events you could <laughs> up from the... Um, is what you could have won. The Warhammer World Events team have announced their June events, uh, of which we've got on the 18th of June a Warhammer Underworlds Mini Clash, which is a one-day Underworlds tournament uh, designed for players of all abilities. You rock up with your warband, you play some games, have some fun. That sounds really cool. On the following day, on the Sunday, there's Kill Team Critical Strike, which is the same kind of deal for Kill Team. I've actually managed to pick up a ticket for this. I might take my uh, Death Core Krieg down because I quite like it that it's aimed at everyone rather than a super competitive one yeah, so while you know n- naturally as these events happen all the top tables have the good players and the bottom tables will have the more narrative players let's say but um as much of an emphasis is put on modeling and 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 painting I- i'm really looking forward to seeing the people who go to town and fully convert up the kill team because you've only got a handful of models you can go to town with stuff like that yeah you mm. can and i've seen some really cool space marine um, kill teams people put together online very good yeah, so, so I look forward to that. And then the following weekend, on the 25th and the 26th of June, we've got Comrades in Arms, a Warhammer 40,000 doubles event. And uh, we've managed to get tickets for that as well. I am really looking forward to this. Uh, not 100% set what I'm going to take yet, but really looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I love how we, we bumped into to Steve Wren at the weekend and he pointed out it's not a throne of scores, it's a, it's a it's a proper tournament. We will be <laughs> valiantly fighting the bottom tables with our subpar lists, <laughs> but we'll have a brilliant time. <laughs> so yeah, some really fun stuff. Speaking of uh, of the weekend, we were all at Warhammer World for the 25th birthday of Warhammer World. How did you find the events, guys? 
I yeah, uh, I thought it was really good. It was accessible for all. Um, they had quite a few tables to sort of little mini games they created. You could, um, you know, chat to the guys. There were some really cool anniversary miniatures. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought I, it was fun. It, it, it was super expensive. It was about tennis to get in, something like that. Um, and the, the, when you when you kind of got in there, instead of a ticket, you had a little kind of leaflet. And over the course of the day, you could get stamps, which if you got them all, you could earn £5 off a starter box, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. So especially, say, if you were, I don't know, say, say if your boys were a little bit older, Jay, you were taking them down to Warhammer World as the first time. And that's a great introduction, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, because it was a bit of everything, a bit of playing, collecting, painting, building. Um, and it was a great atmosphere, I thought, as well, especially for new starters, because I thought all the games were like, we played a little Underworlds-type game where it was like a custom scenario where to try and kill a dragon, a uh, giant, sorry. But, you know, you were still rolling dice and you were still using the little stat cards, so it was a very good introduction into that sort of game. Um, but I did think it was a very, very welcoming atmosphere. And I'll tell you what, it was brilliant to see all of the people in cosplay as well. Oh, yeah, the cosplay was outstanding. It, You know what it reminded me of? Old school um, games day. Yeah. With all the little... The older games had more of a focus on all the little kind of like mini games and, and cosplayers and, and things to see and do, where more recent days it's gone more into a kind of big reveal spectacle, isn't it, where the main attraction yeah. is finding like the reveals for the next couple of years. And I think that's maybe something that's maybe been missing in some of the more recent shows, the kind of community aspect of it yeah the hobby side of it yeah so that was cool i i picked up the new inquisitor i haven't built it yet but it looks absolutely fantastic i believe it's the it is the anniversary model this year and if you're near nottingham for the next seven days i think they've got all the anniversary goodies still for sale so you've not necessarily missed out on that stuff if you couldn't go well, um, just on that, yeah, so obviously we did, we picked up the anniversary models, but we also got a goodie bag. So the ticket was £10, and in that goodie bag, there was £10 worth of loot in there, I think, easily. Oh, easily, easily. There's really good stuff. So I was having a look at this earlier. You've got a big pack of four kind of art prints. They're really nice and good to throw up on the wall. There was uh, one of my favourite things, which I didn't really know until I got it out of the bag. There's a set of, like... Um, acetate kind of markers for warhammer underworlds probably yeah. decent like plastic ones rather than the card ones that come in the box and it looks like it's um harrow deep as well it's all you know it's recent of this old stuff that's been kicking around yeah. for ages so i was really impressed with that there was a deck box to put your cards in cards protectors i particularly liked the little file thing to put your war scrolls in for your age of sigma games as well yeah a little binder yeah so yeah really impressed with that and that wasn't even like advertised on the ticket wasn't it no we just got that on the way out yeah i mean that like you say i mean that that covered the ticket price in my opinion uh the fact that you got a a a trip around the museum as well uh it was a bargain really for the anniversary event yeah and like you say it was nice to see warhammer world like i say say heaven it wasn't overly like crowded i think it was a nice balance of people yeah but it was just good because obviously we were talking to different staff members some of the staff members were in cosplay we had the, all those different people in space marine costumes in pure guard costumes so lots of sisters of battle there it was uh, even saw some lumineth um, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just it was a really really good atmosphere like i think you're right matt it did really feel like the old games days where it was all about seeing other hobbyists and seeing you know just getting involved in the sort of spirit of it all very good yeah, no, so I was, I was really, really impressed. So, uh, yeah, thumbs up to the uh, events team for that. And I hope we see more of that kind of thing. I know this was like a birthday oh, yeah. kind of special, but I think that's a good format for events at Warhammer World. 
yeah, just like a celebration of the hobby, yeah. And I mean, I wish we got time to play yeah. a bit, a few more of those um, games because we played a really cool one, like I say, where we had to uh, fight the dragon, uh, fight the dragon, fight the giant. Um, and uh, Matt was uh, Matt was the victor there. The slango. Yeah, well, <laughs> the slango. I, I, I couldn't not play the slango. <laughs> somebody made the silly mistake of picking a fight with me, so I just took each of you down one by one. Yeah, I generally thought that there was one bit where the slango was down to like one wound, and I think Dave. I would pick the um, Slave to Darkness Sorcerer Lord. And yeah. I generally thought you were going to take Matt down and win it. And it was kind of just like I had um, oh, the Iron Skulls uh, boss and Jay, you had the... I had uh, Swordmaster, the um, the Blade Lord from the Lumineff uh, Underworld Warband. So out of, out of all four of us, the last one standing, the last one I would have picked would have been Dave Sorcerer Lord. But you almost did it. <laughs> <laughs> Almost did it. Not quite, sadly. Yeah, but it was really fun. Uh, if anyone listening went, let us know what you thought of it as well, because, um, yeah, I was impressed myself. Excellent, excellent stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was a really fun event, uh, and quite a bit in the news there um, to, to get our teeth into, and I can't wait to build my Inquisitor as well, Matt. Um, really looking forward to painting him. We are going to take a slight pause because when we come back, we're going to be handing over to Andy and the Fire Slayers. Be right back. Who doesn't like the idea of fielding an army full of Gotrek lookalikes? The <laughs> um, Fire Slayers have got a brand new battle tome for Age of Sigmar. Uh, and being our resident orange haired uh, Fire Slayers fanboy, Andy, you had the book to review. Yeah, so we were lucky enough to get a copy sent to us uh, to review for free uh, from Games Workshop. And needless to say, when I was offered the, to review the Fire Slayer Battle Tome, I jumped on it. Um, I've been a massive fan of dwarves going way back into like 8th edition Warhammer Fantasy. And then when they came out in Age of Sigmar, um, I absolutely loved the Fire Slayers because I loved the whole sort of um, troll slayer vibe that we had back in fantasy and seeing an army of them emerging into the tabletop definitely appealed to me. And then back in, I think it was 2020, um, I did an army of fire slayers um, with Gotrek, because why not? And um, unfortunately I sold it because I, I, I didn't enjoy how I painted it and didn't really want to expand it. So I just sold it. Um, but yeah, getting, getting the new book, has definitely made me want to start a new Fire Slayer army and get back <laughs> onto that. Um, the best way to look at the book is it's kind of almost like a big FAQ. I mean, that seems silly because that's basically what every updated battle tome is. But the general flavour of this book is very similar to the previous book. It just sands off all those rough edges and brings it into line with third edition. So the the big thing about the book is the updated War Scrolls. That's probably where the biggest changes come in. Um, all the Magma Droth heroes are now substantially better. Um, I mean, they've had a bit of a points increase to compensate for that, but they all start off with 16 wounds, and in the Lofnir Lodge, I think it is, it's possible to get them up to 18 wounds. Oh, wow. So, you know, you, you're looking at a more crusher sort of level of hero, not quite the same amount of damage output, but then it's about 100 and, 
50, 160 points cheaper, so you wouldn't expect it. Um, but yeah, the, the War Scrolls have had the biggest change. Like I said, all the Magma Droth heroes are a lot better. Um, the Rune Father and Rune Son on foot, they've had a bit of a change in the sense that they now have um, retinue units. So they can either have some Uruk Hearthguard or some Hearthguard Berserkers as like their personal bodyguards. And basically, they act as bodyguards in the sense that you can, um, any wounds that are allocated to the hero, you can then sort of transfer them to these retinues. Um, and then they also have a special where after the hero that the retinue is protecting fight, the retinue can immediately fight if they're within three inches of them. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, so there's a, not a genuine reason to take like a room father on a magma drop, but at the same time, there's also a good reason to take a room father on foot as well. It, it all just depends on how you want to build this book, uh, build the army, I should say. And the That's book... cool. I um, I noticed when I took to myself that both this and the Eidneth book, every unit's now worth taking and you can build a variety of different armies rather than there just being like one go-to list. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with this book, you've got four big lodges and when I was sort of like doing a review, but there's one which used to be a bit of a, um, it, it was a bit too powerful in the previous book, and that was Hermdar, because it used to allow a unit near an objective to basically fight at the start of a combat phase. Mm-hmm. And then you could, um, with Lords of the Lodge, um, you could have like a big unit of first card berserkers effectively attacking twice before your opponent could do anything about it. And obviously that was just, but it was just silly. Um, it's not fun for your opponent, that is it, when you're getting punched in the face twice before you can do anything. Yeah, it it, it just doesn't work. Um, so they they've changed that lodge. The the lot near lodge is still all about magma drop. So if you want to take a magma drop army, that's one you go to. The Vostag one is all about Volkite Berserkers and making them better. And the Grey Third one, which I think is probably one you're going to see most of the time, um, dishes out extra artifacts to characters without mounts. Um, so if you want, you can just by taking that, you can have free artifacts in your list. Oh, right. So again, like there's, there's a generally good reason to take all of them, but we all encourage different builds. Um, so that's really cool. Um, in terms of like the allegiance abilities and stuff, you've, you've still got the Urgold runes. That's kind of like the, the big push with the allegiance abilities. Um, so the way that works is you you pick one of these um, abilities, and there's six now. I think there used to be seven. Um, and you roll a dice, and on one to five, it's normal effect, and on a six, it's the enhanced effect. Um, but the nice thing about them is I actually think the standard effect is better. I mean, I, I, I don't... I think it's better, in all honesty, than the enhanced effect. Like, don't get me wrong, it's good, but you can't rely on it. Um so to give you an example, you've got the Rune of Fury. The standard effect is plus one to hit rolls for all melee weapons by Fire Slayer units in your army across the entire table. And then if you do the enhanced effect by rolling a six, you get one extra attack on your melee weapons. So okay, do you, that's cool. Do you, get, do you get both then? Am I mishearing that? Or yeah, yeah. One? So, oh, it, wow. so if you roll the dice and you roll a six, you get the standard effect and the enhanced effect as well, okay. um, which is obviously really good. There's another one which gives out rend, 
So it starts off at minus um, an additional minus one rent or melee weapons. But then if you roll the enhanced effect, it's minus two or two additional rend. So there's a um, there's an artifact you can give a rune father as well, which gives one of his melee weapons plus one rend and plus one damage. So if you combine it with that rune, you're getting minus four rend on one of your weapons. <laughs> and uh, one of the nice things they've added in is a unique um, heroic action called Blaze of Fury, which is very similar to uh, the Finest Hour, but it allows your hero to benefit from the, en- the enhanced effect of a rune that's active. So even if you don't roll that six, you can guarantee that that hero can get that extra rend for that turn or that extra attack or you know whatever you need it to. Um, so that's really cool. Um, the, the other big thing about the Allegiance abilities, and this is kind of like the the new new thing that they've added in, which is fierce counterattack. So basically, you pick one of your Uruk Hearthguard, Hearthguard Berserkers, or your Volkites, so your basic battle line troops, basically. And if they get this command ability, then at the start of your opponent's combat phase, they can basically they get the Oi Strikes first special rule, but you can only benefit from it if you have been charged. You're not within three inches of an enemy unit that hasn't charged, and you can only benefit from it once per game. But the reason why I think this is so good is because you look at units like that Mega Boss and Moor Crusher, or those Storm Drake Guard, or something on those lines, and you can't just go all in. You have to yeah. throw little units and then go in next turn as well. They've got to be careful because there's a good chance that your unit striking first will destroy whatever goes into them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at like Hearthguard Berserkers and Hearthguard Berserkers are, are they are the damage dealers in the book. That that hasn't changed, you know. But whether you go for the braziers, which do two mortal wounds on sixes to hit, or whether you go for the broad axes, which are innately damage too, you know, you charge into ten of them. If they all get to attack you first before you do anything. I can do a serious amount of damage. So that, I think, is a really cool um, allegiance ability. But again, because it's only once per game and there's a there's a lot of stuff that you can do to negate it. So, again, using like Angels, for example, you could charge in some Gore Grunters, but you only move one Gore Grunter in combat. So then your opponent's only getting maybe three or four Dwarves. Those three or four dwarfs are not enough to wipe out that unit of gore grunters. And then next turn you send in the mega boss and you've got free reign. So there are ways you can counter it, but I like that. Well, I mean that, that straight away though, because normally in, in my experience, all of the more crushes and Uruks I fought want to get their more crushes into combat turn one. Yeah. So, so straight is... away there, you're messing about with their battle plan because that more crusher now isn't, doesn't want to get into combat turn one. Yeah. So uh, even if it doesn't, do what you wanted to it to do it's still doing what you need it to do if that makes sense so i think that is a, a very interesting um tactical play by putting that in um in terms of like and all the enhancements and stuff like that there's not really any bad ones um i think the issue with the enhancements is that there's too many good ones 
<laughs> which is that's a nice problem to have. Yeah, it's a very nice problem to have. I mean, but in terms of like artifacts and stuff, there's um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll do a brief rundown. So the room father command traits you can give plus one charge, piling an attack twice. You can activate Ergo Ruins, the enhanced effect on fives instead of sixes. And then you can actually make Dwarden allies count as fire slayers um, for the purpose of the Ergo Rune, which at first I was like, oh, hammerers, that'd be cool. You can give them minus two rend and all that sort of stuff. And then someone pointed out to me, oh, the biggest Dwarden in the game is Gotrek. Hmm. So <laughs> that just completely went over my head. So, yeah, just and like depending on how you want to build the army, they're all really good options. And that's kind of the only issue is that I think you're not going to see that many of them simply because all of them are good and you can only take one in terms of like command traits and stuff. In terms of artifacts, like I said, if you go for that Greyford Lodge, you get two extra, which can only be on foot heroes, then one that can be on any type of hero. And then if you go for like Warlord, where you get an extra one, um, you can actually have four artifacts without really pushing the boat out. So I think that's going to be like you go to large. Um, uh, like I said, the Magma Drops have all had big buffs. Um, there's an artifact in there which gives um, all Magma Drops plus one to wound on their claw attacks while holding within 12. Um, and there's a mount trait that you can put on one of your magma drops, which reduces all the damage of melee weapons that target it by one, or reduces it by one. So, like like I said, there's there's really no bad ones. It's just that there's too many good ones, which I know mm-hmm. sounds silly because it's you know terrible. You know, complaining. It's not about a bad problem to have though, is it? No, it's not. No. Um, the thing that I absolutely loved about this book, I mean, obviously we're big fans of Path to Glory. And the thing that I absolutely loved in this book was the Path to Glory section. So the, the whole sort of uh, running Fire Slayers down, it, they are mercenaries. They are after something called Urgold, which they believe their god Grimnir, um, when he died, he spoke he exploded into shards of uh, gold and the fire slayers have to go around the mortal realms collecting this. And so that's kind of the main focus of the path to glory for them is that they are building up this uh, gold. And the best way for them to do that is by taking out these mercenary contracts. So to start off with, you have a, a treasury and that is where you store your uh, gold and you can spend uh, gold on, buying extra artifacts, buying territory, that sort of stuff. But again, the the main way you get that is by doing mercenary contracts. So after your first game of Path to Glory, you can choose to take out a mercenary contract. So there's three stages to this. You first have to determine who is taking the contract out, i.e. who is the paymaster. And there's a chart that you roll a 2d6 on and that determines the grand alliance from which your paymaster is from mm. now fire slayers have reputations mercenaries have reputations so they've introduced something called a reputation score which affects 
where your uh, paymaster comes from. So if you have a, a reputation of plus five, when you roll back 2d6, you add plus five to it. Now, unless you're really lucky or you've got a really bad reputation, the majority of the time, your your paymaster is going to be either from order or bizarrely from death. Like if you roll a two or less on this 2d6, and again, it can be influenced by your reputation, then your paymaster will come from Chaos Grand Alliance. Now, the cool thing about this is they've thrown in a little chart which gives you the name and the title that you can give your paymasters. But again, you know, if you really wanted to, you can make up the names and, you know, do all that sort of stuff. The next part, which I really like, is the quarry. So when, you're pay, when you pick your paymaster, you basically roll a D6 chart, and that determines where your quarry is from. It determines how much ergold you get for completing the contract. And it gives you a reputation modifier. So your reputation starts off in zero, but it can actually go below zero. Hmm. So you've got to find that fine balance between getting ergold or losing reputation. So after you determine where the paymaster is or who the paymaster is and the quarry, you then get to choose to accept the contract or not. So if you accept the contract, then you complete it when you win a major victory against that quarry's grand alliance. Okay. So let's say the um, paymaster's from order, the quarry's from destruction. Me and Dave play a game. Dave's using his war clans. I get a major victory against Dave. Bing, bang, bosh, I've completed my mercenary contract. When I do that, obviously, like I said, you get the... Um, the specified amount of ergold and you get your reputation score. Now, when you complete a contract, you can either choose to do another contract with the same paymaster and you actually get a bonus by rolling twice on the quarry chart and you get to pick the result. So if your paymaster is from um, Grand Alliance order and you roll a four, for example, your quarry will be a deaf army you'll get D6 times a thousand ergold and you'll get a reputation score of plus one. And then you can either, or, I mean, you, you don't have to accept the contract. You can decline it if you want as well. But it, what that means... the Fire Slayer would do though, does it? No, exactly. I mean, if you've got a gaming group and there's no death armies, for example, then you might be like, okay, well, I'll, I'll decline that one because I'm not going to get it. Um at that stage, the next time you play, play a Path to Glory game, you just generate a new contract. So I really like that in the sense that you can you can almost build up this reputation. You can create these paymasters and then you can forge this narrative based on the games that you play. So again, using um, Dave's Warclans as an example, let's say the paymaster is from Order let's say it's a free guild general he's hired some fire slayers to go out and rid these um rid um this realm of these war clans that have been massacring towns and villages in the area and stuff by you know killing the war boss let's say that to me is super cool and very narrative 
and the the cool things about like the reputation and stuff obviously your reputation dictates the paymaster so with like chaos for example you'll get tons and tons of ergold but it will really hurt your reputation because no one wants to work with a fire slayer who's been hanging around with a bunch of maggot kin <laughs> so I, I really like that and if your paymaster is from grand alliance order which majority of the time they probably will be you can actually haggle on the price of the ergold you get so again there's like a, almost like a mini game sort of thing where you can you can try and haggle um, they've then thrown in like their own quests and stuff like this. Again, they're fairly simple. One of them's like you get a mount trait if one of your magma drops kills a unit. Like, okay, uh, fine. You get some veteran abilities, you get territories, you get heroic upgrades, and there's a unique battle plan called Reclaim the Hold, where one of the quests is you at the end of the game, you roll a dice for each one of your units in the enemy territory. And on a six, you get a clue point. And after three clue points, you find the location of this lost magma hold. And so you go into this magma hold and you have to try and reignite the uh, master forge. And if a fire slayer player does this, they retake the hold and you, you win some more territory. So again, it's like, it's you know it's really cool it gives you something to aim for um and then yeah but i mean that's the majority of the battle so I mean, you still get like grand strategies and battle tactics the grand strategies i don't like any of them if i'm being honest which is a bit of a shame um the battle tactics are actually quite good like they're very thematic there's one which is my personal favorite called settle a grudge and it says each time a friendly unit is destroyed by wounds, yada yada, you can make a note of the enemy unit that destroyed your unit. And it even says in brackets, in a book of grudges, if you wish. Amazing. <laughs> but what do you mean, if you wish? You absolutely need a book of grudges. It's the uh, law. Yeah, I've, yeah. I mean, I think that's rhetorical because any self-respecting dwarf player will have a book of grudges. I mean, don't you have a book of grudges, Jay? I do, yeah. Dave's got a lot of entries in it. <laughs> and and Matt, actually, his, his Celeste Demons, I remember, get a yeah. lot of entries in there. This was uh, back in the 8th editions, uh, you know, pre-Age of Sigmar days, when the dwarves were rocking around with initiatives 1 and 2. And uh, Matt had a lot of spells that roll under your initiative and die. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, and, and like I said, that, that, that's the majority of the battle term. Obviously, we've, you know, we've, we've updated a lot of the War Scrolls I like you said about the Ideneth map. I don't think there's any bad ones. There's there's one in there, but I kind of look at it and think you're probably not going to see it. And that's the Doom Seeker. And the reason why I don't like him is because he gets he he starts off with about six attacks for all damage one. And if he takes a wound, it becomes damage two on all of his attacks, which is pretty good. And then if he takes two or more wounds they all become damage free. But the problem is he's only got five wounds and a four up save. So he's probably going to die before he gets to that stage where he gets to attack back. Mm. So that, apart from that war scroll, I think every other war scroll in the book is worth taking. I mean, the Auric Hearthguard, because the big thing with Age of Sigmar at the minute, especially in the tournament scene, 
is that shooting is like a it's a big thing you know the armies that are doing well are typically armies that can shoot well and the Uruk Kirfgard are kind of like your main shooting unit in this book and I'm kind of glad that they're not silly and overpowered like they've got two shots with a magma pike which is 18 inches but a force to hit freeze through and minus one one damage which at first glance, you think, oh, hmm, okay, yeah, that's not that great. But if you're on an unmodified six to hit, you subtract one from a movement characteristic of an enemy unit. Again, not great, but I'm kind of, I, I think this is the direction that we really need to take with some shooting and just tone it down a little bit. Because I don't think you're going to see Uruk Kerf, you know, people spamming Uruk Kerf and shooting people off the table. This is definitely a battle tone that you're going to see combat and it's going to be good combat. Like you're not going to see armies with 200 dwarfs on the table. Definitely not. But you are going to see combat blocks and they are going to be good combat blocks. But yeah, that, that's basically the majority of the battle tome. Like I said, if you think about it as a giant FAQ, then this really does bring them into line with third edition in terms of like the overall power level i'm probably going to say it's roughly the same as Magitkin of nurgle i don't think it's over the top i don't think it's going to be dominating the tournament scene when you play against it i think you're going to have a good game excellent yeah sounds like a really good battle tone and um, when i was watching your video uh, and it really put me in the mood to, to play some fireslayers or at least get go check off the shelf anyway um so yeah an excellent review um if you do want to read uh, andy's full review you can do so via the links in the podcast notes and you can also check out the video within that post and over on our youtube channel as well and as we mentioned at the top of the podcast matt will be joining us uh sorry matt will be uh bringing along the idnf deepkin to talk about um but again if you want to read that review early you can do so in the podcast notes now that brings us to our next segment it's the ever popular top three and that's coming up next so over the years games workshop have put out quite a few video games or they've at least you know given out their licenses to all these various studios to knock out some video games Let's be honest. Some of them have been some of them have been absolutely rubbish, but there have been some absolute gems as well. And it's those gems that we're interested in this week, as we're going to be talking about our top three Games Workshop branded video games. Now, where do we start this week? Let's start with you, Andy. What's your top three? Okay, so my my top three, for the most part, are very. 40k centric because when you look at it most of the games that have come out have been set in the 41st millennium mm, um, true. so my third choice has to be what i would class as a classic classic game and that is dawn of war but which dawn of war i hear you ask because there's a lot of dawn of wars dawn of war 2 winter assault uh, not dawn of war 2 sorry dawn of war winter assault which is the second one in the series. And it basically introduced the Imperial Guard. And for me, just playing through the campaign was just so, so, so good. I mean, playing through is like chaos, the guard, you know, 
there's so many cool things and i think that was the first time that imperial guard were introduced into 40k now don't get me wrong i might cheat and say the original dawn of war as well because it introduced the blood ravens and gabriel angelos and you know it had the um the librarian at the end who was actually spoiler. yeah spoiler <laughs> i mean the game's been out for like 20 years but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a librarian who it turned into to a traitor so dawn of war one and dawn of war winter assault kind of my joint third can i just uh, say the dawn of war games I remember watching the first intro cinematic for the first Dawn of War game with the Blood Ravens assaulting mm. the Orcs. Yeah. And that was, I mean, this was before we had Warhammer Plus and all the animations come out of the Warhammer um, TV. Uh, and so that was really the first time we saw Space Marines being animated, certainly for me, and Orcs being animated. And I don't know about you, Dave, but that scene with the Dreadnought opening up with Assault Cannon. <sighs> Uh, it's yeah. something goosebumps that uh, cutscene does. It's it's amazing. And then the, the the sergeant climbing the hill, putting the banner down with all the bullet holes coming through it, and he goes down, and you see the drop pods, and even the music. Yeah, yeah, very, very it was cool. it was epic that intro. Uh, the poor dreadnought met his grisly end. Yeah. To, uh, a, was it a stick bomb or? No, or it's a tank, like tank, tank. Um, what tank what are they called? Tank, tank buster. buster. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah, it was it was incredible. Game. I mean. Um, obviously, what you mentioned there, Andy, was the one of the one of the many expansion packs that came for Daughter War, because um, Daughter War Two was its own separate thing. But yeah, Winter Assault was a was a brilliant expansion pack. Yeah. I'll make this controversial comment here, and I think the original Daughter War plus expansions is superior to everything that came after. Oh, that would be yeah, spoiling would... my top three. <laughs> <laughs> I would almost agree with that. I think there's. Uh, for, bizarrely enough my second and third choice first choice which i think be it but yeah I, w- I would agree with you i think the original dawn of war games have just been i mean even now today you know there's still people playing them and that i think you know speaks volumes to them as games uh, but my second choice is one of the original games that i ever played and that was the fire warrior game <laughs> yeah i love this one so this one took you into the 41st millennium as a Tau fire warrior called Case, I believe his name was. And you started off fighting Imperial Guard and eventually, <coughs> because you became such a nuisance, they sent space marines after you. But you were even fighting in like a Tau spaceship. You know, then you, you had to go rescue an ethereal. And then, bizarrely enough, the Chaos space marines turned up towards the end. And I think the final boss was a Lord of Change, if I remember right. <laughs> but the game itself for me had so many iconic one-liners and so many cool moments. Yeah, I think one of the boss battles was a Chaos Dreadnought. Um, and the only way to beat it was to get it onto a platform and then lower the platform. So it actually sort of fell into the abyss. And that for me was, it was just such a cool game because it's one of those games that, really gave you the perspective of some of these alien races mm-hmm. and and made you sort of feel for them a little bit um heresy i know uh, it, was, it was cool though he introduced some stuff like the orca dropship is invented for fire warrior wasn't it it was yeah so that, that that's my second choice and then my first choice i think will redeem me in jay's eye and that was the original Warhammer 40k 
Space Marine game. Space Marine. Yes. Now that is a game. So literally the beginning of the intro had you drop out of a Thunderhawk, land on an Orc cruiser, fight your way to the bridge, beat the boss, crash your ship into the planet. And that was just in the intro. And for me, again, seeing Space Marines, you know, this is what this is what we imagine Space Marines to be. You know, they are they can take on basically a whole Orc army almost single handedly. And again, you know, looking at like Ultrines, you know, I do tease them a lot, but it was super cool. And all three of the main Space Marine characters were very cool and very interesting. You know, you had the captain, you had the veteran, and you had the newbie who was kind of questioning everything. And then you even had some of the, um, I can't remember her name, but the Imperial Guard commander who was introduced. And again, that was really cool. And then, you know, you're fighting the Orcs, you fight, and then towards the end, they introduce, you know, the big bad, the Chaos Space Marines come into it. And again, you know, seeing the Chaos Forces really introduced my love for Chaos, basically, like in terms of Space Marines and Chaos Space Marines. I've always found Chaos Space Marines more interesting because they've got that tragedy about them. And yeah, playing the game as well. I mean, it was one of those games where it was just mindless violence. You know, you grabbed a Storm Bolter, you grabbed a Thunder Hammer, you know, Plasma Gun, Melter Gun whatever you wanted, there was so many different types of guns that really added so much to the game as well. And for me, it was just so much fun massacring hordes and hordes of orcs. Mm-hmm. Yep, couldn't, couldn't agree more. It was a really good game. And obviously we've got a second one coming out as well soon. Uh, well, no, it's soon. <laughs> uh, excellent. Um, you know what? Um, because my top three is quite similar, I'm going to move on to my uh, top three. But my third choice is a bit of a left field choice, and I would be very surprised if this appears on anybody else's list. I, I played it when it first came out, and um, in fact, when we were talking about this week's top three, I've re-downloaded it, and I've actually been playing quite a lot of it this past week. So I thought, you know what? It, it's not going to get much love from anybody else, so let's include it in my top three. So my third choice is a mobile game. And it is called mm. Warhammer Age of Sigma Realm War. So what Realm War is, um, is a, it all flows in real time, but it's it's like, I can't remember what the, 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 the genre of the game now, um, but it's when you have different lanes that you're kind of attacking and defending. Tower defense um, game. Yeah. So you've got you've got, for example, um, a Lord Selicent or Drakoff as your as your hero who stands on one side and then opposite you, there might be somebody playing as a, um, a grace here on screaming bell and then you're basically using like a card-based system to drop down units in different lanes to to battle your opponent and you, you, the idea is to break through uh, and kill the lord on the other side and there's loads of different units that you can unlock in this and um, the the artwork is very nice um a lot of these games feel a bit like pay to win but I, 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 in all the hours i've played it I've not really felt the urge to, to buy stuff. I mean, I've kind of been maybe a little bit tempted just to get a couple of like packs and stuff, but there's enough in this game that you can just 
unlock as you play through it. The PvP is pretty good. Like there, there seems to be quite a few people still playing the PvP, so you're not having to wait too long for matches. Uh, and yeah, there's lots of stuff to to unlock. So a uh, bit of a left field choice, and a very recent one as well. So if you if you if you can give it a download, give it a try. Um, I I do recommend it. Have you, any of you guys played Realm War? I haven't. No, can't say I have. Nope. Uh, I know which one you're on about, but no, unfortunately, I've not not played it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I definitely recommend giving it. It's it, it's free to download. Um. So yeah, you, you can give it a go for nothing. Um. Silver Tower nearly actually made it on this list instead because I really wanted to choose a mobile game, but I think this one just had Silver Tower is very very good, but um I found it got a bit repetitive. I think what I liked more about Realm War is the PvP aspect where you're playing against different people. Um. Gives it a bit more replayability. So that's my third choice. My second choice is one that Andy's already covered, and that is Space Marine. Um, for basically all the reasons that Andy said, it was it was very cinematic. What I really liked is how they absolutely nailed the movement of a Space Marine. He felt a bit clunky, but you know, in like with all these swings and his attacks, it all felt quite powerful. Um, I really liked. They absolutely nailed it. Um, the the graphics were fantastic okay i think i did struggle to sort of two-thirds of the way in i think i started to think you know this game is a little bit repetitive but then you like you say andy the chaos space marines arrive and you kind of like oh yeah this is ace you kind of get really back into it so um yeah a, a very worthy second choice i'm really looking forward to what they do with the the second one uh, and that leads me to my top choice which again um has been mentioned already and that is Dawn of War. And I mean Dawn of War, the first one, in its complete uh, entirety. So with all the expansion packs. So you had, <coughs> Andy already mentioned Winter Assault. You had Soulstorm. You had my favourite, which was Retribution, which included it, which brought in the Inquisitors. Um, I can't remember what the Necron one was called. Dark um, Crusade. Dark Crusade. Yeah. I think there was only Tyranids that never made it to the game. Is that right? Uh, I think you're right, yeah, because the Tyranids were one of the launch factions in Dawn of War 2. Yeah, I think I think there's some fan-made Tyranid um, yes, mods. Yes, quite possibly. But um, there wasn't an official... The Tyranids were never never officially in the game. I think because... I think the designers thought they were a bit too different in how they would work. What I really like about Dawn of War is all the, 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 the base building. You only had, like, a small element of that in Dawn of War 2. I mean, don't get me wrong, Dawn of War 2 was a, a gorgeous game, and I really enjoyed the, the campaign. I think we played a lot of it cooperatively, Jay. Yeah, that um, was one thing it did do very well, the co-op um, mode. Yeah, diving in and out of cover, that was really important. Um, but it definitely felt like a much smaller scale. It was um, like a squad-based kind of strategy game, like Company Heroes, rather than Dawn of War, which was a traditional RTS. Yeah, absolutely. In the same it's like, you know, you got resource gatherers and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, d- I do prefer Dawn of War 1. And I never actually played Dawn of War 3 because unfortunately I heard so many bad things about it. I never, um, yeah, I never gave it, it a download. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it, yeah, it just wasn't. It didn't feel like a Dawn of War game. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, that, that was my top three. Jay, what, what was yours? Okay, so um, my number three choice is a game um, which I think is awesome, but I think it's because I've just got a, a thing for this uh, this um, game in general, and it's um, Battlefleet Gothic Armada 2. Oh, Battlefleet Gothic. You've forgotten <laughs> about that on my list. Yeah, that's a cool game. Um, so this is like, it's a, it's a real-time strategy game. Um, 
but you're controlling a, a fleet of ships. It's got a fantastic campaign mode. All pretty much all of the factions are represented in some Dark Eldar, Corsairs, Craftworld Eldar, Necrons, Tyranids, Chaos, Imperial Navy, Adeptus Mechanicus, Space Marines. Uh, they're all there. Um, and the, the campaign is very, very cool. But the actual games itself are played. It's like a 3D game, but you play it on a 2D plane. And each of you, you build your fleet and each of your ships have got um, different abilities and things that can act there, like void shields and nova cannons and things like this. And each of the factions play completely differently. Uh, so the Eldar are very, very fragile, but they've got their hollow fields, which come up if you can keep the ships moving. Um, it's it's not the easiest of games to play. There's lots of micromanagement of all your ships and their abilities and the morale and things like that uh, and the positioning. But boy, does it look good. And one thing that I really like about this game, and even if you don't play the game, I recommend you go on YouTube and try and watch the cutscenes somewhere because the cutscenes are incredible. And it's completely up to date with like the uh, the fall of Cadia and the, the the Great Rift and things like that. And each of the factions have got the cutscenes. Really, really cool if um, to get you sort of like Warhammer Warhammer animated fix. Uh, so that was my number three choice. Uh, my number two choice um, is an awesome game. And I can't wait for the 40k version, but Vermintide 2, hmm. um, which is a sort of, it's a bit like Left 4 Dead, except you can play as like a dwarf or a witch hunter or a imperial, uh, no, sorry, an empire knight, uh, a wood elf, a sentinel. Uh, first person, you're working together in a party of up to four players uh, and you're going through all of these different missions fighting Skaven and Chaos Warriors, and I think Beastmen are now in it. Um, First person, really cool combat where you're slicing heads off Skaven Warriors and shooting arrows into the skulls and helms of uh, Chaos Chosen. Uh, Really, really cool banter between all the different characters. Very nice looking game. Um, And yeah, the Dark Tide, I think, is the 40k version that's on the Mm. way, um, which looks like it's going to bring that sort of same play style into the 41st millennium so that'd be really cool uh, and my number one choice is a game that i really miss um and that is um warhammer online age of reckoning which was like uh obviously when world of warcraft came out a lot of games tried to replicate the success of that game and warhammer age of reckoning was the warhammer offering um, and actually it was very very good uh, unfortunately when it came out it wasn't complete so a lot of the content that was promised didn't make it into the game and then the game folded before they got a chance to release it they released a bits of it but not all of it but um if anyone um played games like dark age of camelot it was very much like that where you had the the the, the destruction versus order uh, and the, the two factions were uh, fighting each other over this sort of open world there were really cool sort of social quests and um the the, the sort of um uh, player versus environment open world pvp was really really well implemented there were siege battles um but one thing it did really well uh, which warcraft didn't do was the collision detection so uh, mm. i i've got great memories of uh, i used to play a, a dwarf ironbreaker and my friend used to play a high elf mage and i'd sort of plant a dwarf ironbreaker in like the, a choke point and raise my shield and they'd just be stood there blocking all these orc, black orcs and chaos warriors and things trying to get through while my high elf mage kept me healed up um there is actually a community version of that game that you can download i think it's called oh what's it i can't think what it's called now um but um where you can download the client and join these community servers and and, and it's got actually quite a uh, a large population that play it yeah return um, of reckoning i think it's that's called, it right? return of reckoning yeah 
uh, well worth checking out if you're a fan of the old world and MMOs. Excellent. That's a really good top three. Vermintide 2. I don't know how I forgot that. That that should have been in my top three. I've really enjoyed that game. Uh, I think that leaves us with one other team member. Uh, Matt, can you finish us off with your top three, please? So there's been a lot of uh, Bolter, but not a lot of Hammer, which seems to be something that uh, has cropped up a lot over these uh, this top three. My number three choice is definitely all about the Hammer. The uh, Shadow of the Horned Rat. <laughs> a real-time strategy game from the heady days of 1995, released for PC and PlayStation. It was um, around about that time, there was a lot of love for RTS games. And this did things a little bit differently by having a 3D environment. Hills and trees and stuff with block line of sight. What madness is this? And you consider in this kind of era, we've got, you know, Warcraft and stuff like that. It was a it was a big deal. What was also really, really cool with this game was the army creator where you could essentially paint your army by picking the color palette of your units. So in multiplayer battles, you would have your own Warhammer force. It was really, really cool. Um, There was a sequel, uh, Dark Omen. And I believe (laughs) Yeah. And then that took it all to a new level. It was quite ahead of its time, both of the games, in that they had a branching kind of like storyline where you you picked what to do and chose what units kind of went with you to the battle, and that would change the kind of path of the story. So, yeah, it was a really, really fun game, and I believe it is on various um, game platforms at the minute for not very much, if you want to... Uh, obviously, it's, you know, this is an old, old game now. But um, for that little nostalgia hit, you can still play it, which is cool. My number two choice is, yeah, Jay's already said it, Warhammer Online Age of Reckoning. This, again, like with the last one I mentioned, was quite ahead of its time. It did a few things differently that other games like World of Warcraft have, have picked up. So one of my favourite things, and one of the things that kind of you're introduced to once you get back out in the world proper uh, what do they call them? Like the public local, quest, wasn't public it? quest, public quest. So yeah, I think one of the first examples, certainly on the on the destruction side, was um, a giant, and yes. your various guys are trying to take down this giant. And as long as you were involved in the fight, you would get kind of uh, rewarded for it. And then there was like a roulette, roulette system where there was weighting based on who'd contributed enough damage and. And, and the objective that was, that was the giant the that was trying to steal uh, uh, it was um uh, laying siege to the brewery yeah trying to, trying to get the barrels of ale yeah so no it was a really really good game i think the problem was <coughs> when that game came out which was um 2008 it was in the height of of mmo popularity and there were lots and lots of mmos coming out Just to try and out. yeah yeah to try and like kind of jump on the back of world of warcraft and unfortunately world of warcraft had all that so much momentum that it made it very difficult for new mmos to kind of emerge especially like you say they 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 rushed the launch they'd have been better delaying the release until the the additional kind of like starter cities and all that kind of stuff was finished because i think they kind of shot themselves in the foot releasing it early yeah, unfortunately um, so it's a shame. It's, it's you know, it's one of those of what could have been if it was successful. It could have still been running now and all sorts of cool stuff. But uh, like Jay said, there are ways of playing it in emulated form. So, yeah. And my number one choice is a game that is very special to me. 
it is it is i can't believe it's not been mentioned by any of you guys i'm shocked and disgusted at the lot of you but my number one choice is final liberation warhammer epic 40,000 never played an isometric turn-based 40k game with titans it's 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 449 on gog go and download it again it's it's from 1997 it's a bit of an old one but but there's very very few turn-based warhammer games because i imagine in games workshops t's and c's for their um uh you know third party stuff you don't want games workshop don't really want a video game analog of well, tabletop games because it's going to lead to people playing them rather than the miniatures game now blood bowl again it's not made this list is essentially a digital version of blood bowl um and final liberation was yeah it was it was it was a it was a really good tactical turn-based strategy game you had titans you had orcs you had space marines you had full motion video sequences between each battle that were as cheesy and ridiculous as you could possibly imagine it was glorious Go and download it. It's only a fiver, less than a fiver. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing it, but I never, never, ever got around to playing it. So maybe, maybe I'll have to do that, Matt, with your high For all time's sake. You, you, this, this is, this is like young me recommendation. I was what fifteen at the time, maybe. Um, so bear that in mind. A lot of time has passed since '97. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, some really cool games there. Um, I think there were others that, that could have easily got mentioned. Chaos Gate, none of us mentioned. Chaos Gate was a really good game. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and, and, and none of us mentioned the Total Warhammer series. So, yeah, we'll have to see what the community have chosen. Maybe they've chosen one of those two games. We'll find out in a few moments. Be right back. We cannot finish this week's episode of the podcast without giving a shout out to all the community top three picks. And we've got a few on Facebook this week. So starting with Sean, his third choice was Final Liberation, the first Games Workshop game I played and while glitchy as hell, had a blast playing. His second choice was Dawn of War. Always loved RTS games, so a 40k version was heaven. And his top choice was Total War Warhammer. Have lost lost myself in the old world for hours on end, trying to rule with the different races. Loving the new cafe. Ca- ca- how did you pronounce it? Cafe. 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 Faction. Grand cafe. Uh, Kyle Milne says never managed to play Final Liberation. But his top three is Space Hulk, which was his first ever Warhammer experience. His second choice was Space Marine, perfectly captured the feeling of being a Space Marine. And his top choice, keeping it 40k, Dawn of War. Special shout out to Dark Crusade. This has a special place in my heart. Easy to pick up, brutal and fast paced with a fun campaign system. Still one of the greatest. Honourable mention to Freeblade on iOS. This has saved many a commute for me. Yeah, that's another really good mobile game, actually. Um, if you want to get into the Imperial Night mood, um, Andy and uh, Matt, uh, play a bit of Freeblade. Uh, 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 Matt, what do we have over on Twitter? So, over on Twitter, Jem says, Shadow of the Horned Rat, very ambitious strategy game from the 90s. Dawn of War, the first one, as it's been constantly updated by the modern community. And Total War, Warhammer, Warhammer Total War. Any of them, they're all good. Uh, Tam the Third says, Dawn of War 1. Shadow of the Horned Rats. Anonymous Rex says Vermintide. Uh, Warhammer 40k Mechanicus. 
and Dawn of War Dark Crusade. Mengel Miniatures says Dawn of War 1 with all the expansions, Space Marine and Final Liberation. Gaz Taylor says 40k Battle Sector. Really enjoying it. It's on Xbox Game Pass. Amazing. Uh, Horus Heresy Legions, which I believe is a card game, isn't it? And mm. Space Hulk Deathwing Edition. Deambulance mm. is controversial with this should be retitled as the three least worst Warhammer games. Take that back. There's been some great Warhammer <laughs> games. Uh, Chris Rose says Dawn of War, Dark Omen and Warhammer Total War. Tom Hoffman says the best one is already featured. That'd be um, epic. No need to continue. And uh, Pete Vialskik says, tough call between this and Dawn of War. Going to go with Dawn of War as an RTS, where this is a turn-based, so they can both be top games without interfering each other. And why not add Vermintide as a third one, as it's an FPS and we're complete? I like the logic. <laughs> uh, Watch Sergeant says, Total War, Warhammer 1 to 3, Chaos Gate and Dark Omen. Uh, Dan Heldenhammer says, Chaos Gate has to be up there. Delighted there's a sequel coming this year. Pete Allison says Dark Omen, Warhammer Quest, and Necromunder Hired Gun. Honourable mention to Warhammer Online, taken away far too early. Adrian Hurst says Dawn of War 1 and the first two expansions, Space Marine and Total Warhammer, and they have good soundtracks. They do have good soundtracks. Uh, ELF says Space Hulk, Shadow of the Horned Rat, and Hero Quest, if it counts, for the Commodore 64. That absolutely counts. <laughs> That's our first... Um, Commodore 64 based game so that wins the uh, the top three uh, Under the Eagle says Final Liberation Shadow of the Horned Rat and Dark Omen still played Final Liberation until a few years ago and frankly it's brilliant Adam Archer says Blood Bowl again really good because it's basically just the tabletop version turned into a game uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle and Black Fleet uh, Battlefleet Gothic uh, Lord Andrew Dennett says Dark Omen got a free model as well yeah there was a, a necromancer model that you got um if you if you bought a copy of the game, I've still got it kicking around somewhere. Uh, Dawn of War and Space Marine, Fifty Shades of Norn Oil, which is an amazing name, says mm-hmm. Advanced Hero Quests. George Lowe says 40k Space Marine, Total War Warhammer 2, and the Dawn of War series. Alec McGee says there's no love for Shadow of the Horned Rat here. Spent hours being rubbish at that. Uh, Johnny Z says cannot see the Final Liberation cover up without hearing. Commissar in my head. I can say there's some terrible, terrible acting in the FMVs. I'm sure it'll be on YouTube. Warbringer says Space Marine, Fire Warrior, and Death Watch on the PS4. Wargamers Retreat, Mechanicus, great game with a great soundtrack. Dawn of War and Battlefleet Gothic. Richard Ward says Battle Cars on the ZX Spectrum. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's some, that's <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, Royston Jones says Space Hawk from 1993. I believe that was on the Sega Saturn. Uh, oh, no, sorry. He has the Amiga 1200 version. We've gone old school machines now. I'm loving this. This is long before finally... Andy was even born, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And finally, Adventures with Peps says Rights of War. As an Eldar fan, this just hit right. So some amazing stuff, including some from like 80s consoles and home computers. So, yeah, I, thank you to the community for sharing all those. I, I had an Amiga 1200. I don't ever remember seeing a Warhammer game. I've got Space Hawk, that. yeah, yeah. Space Hawk. So there's been, there must have been three or four different iterations of Space Hawk. I had Space Hawk on the Sega Saturn, but obviously this predates that massively. Hmm. Excellent. Uh, yeah, that, that's probably one of the best threes, top threes we've done. Some really uh, a wide variety of, uh, of hits there. Uh, that leads me to ask the question, Matt. What would be next week's top three? So, with Kill Team Knackman coming next week, uh, I want to know your top three dream 
kill teams that they could add to the game. So whether it's a brand new kit or an upgrade to an existing kit, what what would your dream kill teams be? I think there's lots of fun stuff we could do with this one. Oh yeah, I've got one that's come straight to mind. I want to write that down before I forget it. Um, you can get those in via social media. We will be popping a po- post out uh, just before podcast recording day so that you can reply and get your top threes in to make sure we read those out. Uh, and that, sadly, gents, brings us to the uh, the end of this podcast recording. Um, it's been a fun one, as always. Um, l- really looking forward to next week's uh, Battletoad map. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, telling you guys about it, because it's really fun. Excellent. So until then, have a great week of hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye! Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruesandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruesandbrews. <laughs>